morning. This Good is Terry Woods. I'm here today with Dixie Cooper and a friend. Oh my. Hmm. This is Texas Storytellers. And you can watch us on Woodlands Online, their Roku station at KVQT21. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and anywhere else you can get a podcast. Please listen to us. And we're here this morning with a friend of Dixie's. So Dixie, it's all yours. Oh, good morning, Terry. Hi, yes, I wanna introduce Christine Brooks. She has been my friend for a few years and she is now a published Texas author who wrote the book, let's see if I can show it to you. This one is called The Gardening Gnomes. And we're here to talk about that and to talk about her. Um, Christine, tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about your background. Hey, I was a public school teacher for 40 years. I taught science from sixth grade general science all the way up to biology and chemistry. But ever since high school, I enjoyed writing. Mm -hmm. Well, I joined, after I retired, I joined Lone Star College and took some courses on writing. And I decided maybe I should write for the first time. So I started to write about education, but I realized I had too much pent up frustration. So I said, I'm gonna throw that all away and write something more interesting, something I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So I wanted a book, something about herbs and uh, the uses of herbs and how to grow plants. So that's what I did. Oh, yeah, okay. So that's where it all came from. Just look at fun. Oh, yes. And, and you got some inspiration at Lone Star Colleges. Terry and I have some experience with that too and other courses there. Um, so, so what was the, the, the inspiration for this book then? How come gnomes are you? Having? Well, I was thinking of like The Hobbit and I also enjoyed reading The Borrowers. If you remember them from childhood books, so The Borrowers, The Borrowers Aloft and The Borrowers Afloat, I think were mm -hmm. their three books. It's fun. It wasn't, you know, people didn't die. There was no gore. There's no profanity. So I wanted something like that. I also wanted to teach, like I said, something about plants and herbs to young people because mm -hmm. I've been doing that all my life. And of course, I have a few gnomes in my garden. So I decided <laughs> that's what I will become. I will become a gardening gnome, one that doesn't just sit in the garden, but actually gardens. So that was my main character. My daughter tells me the book sounds like me. And, well, um, well, that's what writers tell us. And that's what uh, writing classes tell us is that if you can make your book your own, it should be much more popular and, and even sell a few more books. Mm -hmm. Those little gnome guys are quite popular now. Oh, yes. Except my gnome, since she's a gardening gnome, mm -hmm. she doesn't wear a tall felt hat. She wears a straw hat. And instead of boots, she wears gardening clogs. Yeah. Well, oh, cool. You got to dress the part. Yeah. You got to dress yeah, the part. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, Plus, I like that a lot. There, there's the saying, write what you know. And exactly. It, and it, that is what usually comes out the best for sure. Mm. So part of your influence has to be education, as you said. Yes. I've been teaching uh, <clears throat> a little over 40 years myself, so I understand that perhaps you'd want to go into a different vein in order to write. 
but um, what other influences do you have? Well, you know, being a science teacher, I know a little bit about botany and stuff. So I throw a little bit of that in. In my book, I explain the difference between just regular plants and weeds. And I also explain the difference between fruits, vegetables, and herbs. So there are several, they're in the book, the gnome gets sort of pushed into teaching a young witch and she has to do four lessons. So I do have four lessons in the book that teaches children about plants. So that was part of my inspiration was like I said, to teach about herbs and plants. Wow, I really like that. Um, now you, you have one book but you said you had four lessons. Is there any way, like a child, if a child were reading your book, could they read one of the lessons or one of the chapters and get something from it? Yes, one, there are the chapters uh, will tell you whether they're, which lesson they are. And like I said, there are four lessons in there. One of them sort of a hidden lesson when they go on an adventure. But um, my daughter has been reading the book to my granddaughter because the book just came out for, for, for me, for my publisher. And uh, she's enjoying it too. The fact that it's information, there's no profanity in the book. I think the worst word in the entire book is the word poo. <laughs> and that was in helping to describe the trolls. <laughs> I um, pulled in some poetry. I pulled in there's a cat that's involved in the adventures, of course, and he, from T.S. Eliot, which I quote in the book, that all cats have three names, their common name, their um, formal name, and their secret name. And the, the um, gnome will not call the cat by anything but cat until he tells her his secret name. I won't tell you if he eventually tells her or not, <laughs> because you know, it is a secret. Yeah, yeah, you gotta keep secrets. So you said you self-publish. Yes. Um, I'm sure Dixie has questions too, but can, can you kind of go through how you self-publish? I think that would be interesting. Yeah. I got a book from one of the other authors that teaches at Lone Star College. I was gonna bring it, but my husband said, oh no, that's not one of your books, so don't bring it. So anyway, but also if you go, you have to go online and research a little bit in the publishing companies that help you with self-publishing, because some of them have some bad reviews and some have good. I used BookBaby, the publishing company that I used. And of course, for X amount of money, they will guide you through it. They rewrote things. They helped me choose the cover on the book. Um, they have an editing side that, you know, that you can also, again, cost money. And so I'm in the hole a little bit on my book because I'm self-published, but I, you know, hope to get some of the money back. I was just thrilled this morning to see my name on mm -hmm. Amazon and Barnes and Noble where you can pre-order right now. The books aren't out themselves. Okay. But you can pre-order the book right now. Hopefully a few of my friends will pre-order it so the sales will go up. <laughs> right, right. I'm sure they will. It's a, I have read, at least I think I've read the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she was uh, submitting things to me as she was writing just to get some feedback. It's a wonderful story. Uh, it's so, it's just wonderful. You'll, everyone will fall in love with it, I'm sure. I've already tried, you know, I'm about halfway through a uh, second book 
where she gets involved with a green man. And if you don't know what a green man is, it's, you know, when they put those faces on the trees sometimes mm -hmm. that you can buy the little parts to put eyes and noses and stuff we on trees. We actually have one in the backyard. Yes, <laughs> those are green men. Huh. That are actually trees that have faces. And green men aren't necessarily nice. So she goes on an adventure and f finds this green man and tries to get him back to his home. And I'm even thinking of a third book, which I haven't written anything on, where she gets more involved with the witches because the young witch in the first book comes of age and plans to get married. So that'll be the third book, hopefully. So this may be a trilogy. This may be a trilogy. Great. It's great. Oh, sorry. What is your... Who is your audience? You, you, see, you said you're thinking in terms of children, but children of what age, adults of what age, or does that even matter? I'm, I'm basically aimed at young adults from about like 10, 12 on up, but also for adults that are young at heart. If you want a lighthearted book that you can read, that you can enjoy, that nobody dies, like I said, there's no blood and gore. I figured during these times with COVID, some, you know, you have to do something cheerful and it leaves you with a nice feeling. Everything comes out all right in the end. That's what I always liked about some of the programs on TV where the bad guy gets caught and everything is back on the road it should be on. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I recently was asked to choose um, a couple of readings and uh, they were disappointed that I did not pick the dramatic ones. And I said, well, you know, this is just the beginning of 2021. Um, last year was rough on everybody. We've had enough drama. It's, it's time to be lighthearted, fantasy, fictional. Yeah. One I, thing I didn't like about books that we had to read in high school is it was like they were trying to turn us off books because everybody dies and everything. I mean, eventually everybody dies, but still, I mean, I remember Billy Budd to build a fire, glass menagerie. I mean, it was, except for Jack London, I think everything was sad. Yeah, there were Romeo and Juliet. Yes. <laughs> I remember reading that in high school. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, this is not sad. This is really a great book. And speaking of which, did you pick some passages to read for us? Well, I read part of my prologue to introduce the character and see if you want any more. All right. This is from my prologue of my book, The Gardening Gnome. <laughs> Gnome folk are earth folk. They usually build their homes in earthen burrows. The earth protects them from extreme heat, cold, and from physical threats like dangerous animals and humans. Gnomes respect the earth. They do not take more than they need and they give back when they can. The earth provides them with food, shelter, and medicine. They are a race of beings that have been here as long as humans, maybe longer. Some gnomes have come out of the deep forest and live among humans. One such gnome is Lily Fairfield. Like most gnomes, her features are of earthen tones. She has hazel eyes, curly chestnut hair, and tawny brown skin. She wears long brown skirts to keep the bugs off her legs and the dirt off her knees. She is a gardener. She wears a broad brimmed straw hat to keep the sun off her face and out of her eyes. The tall felt conical hats of, excuse me, of folklore are for the gnomes of Northern climates to keep the snow off their heads. Lily's tall for a gnome, 
almost five feet. She has her rumors that her great grandmother on her mother's side was human. She lives on five acres of land that once was in the deep woods and now is becoming a human subdivision. She does own the land, even though most known folk don't believe in land ownership. Her father was a careful gnome and filed all the paperwork in a human courthouse to claim ownership. Most gnomes move their homes to keep ahead of humans. And you can go on about the prologue, but that's what Lily Fairfield, my gnome, all of my gnomes are named after flowers and have sort of earthy last names. So I try to keep a theme going there. You know, one thing I noticed about your book was that she also has, you have a lot of cooking in it. Yes, I don't have any recipes. Oh, I thought you, but you decided. I thought about that in hindsight, it would have been good to put recipes in, but most of the recipes or foods that I mentioned are very simple. And what, if you had, you know, like some of the things she makes for her goat cheese and stuff, mm -hmm. if you just season it to taste, because most things are like three to four ingredients, because mm. that's how I cook. I don't like complicated foods. I like nice and simple, simple. foods. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do want to hear a little bit more. I see you've got a passage marked off. Marked off right okay. here. One of the characters in the book is Frederica the fairy, who goes by Fred. I like the name Fred the Fairy. <laughs> and she's on reconnaissance in this part. She's going to check out the backyard by one of the Wiccans. Fred hummed to herself, flutter by, flutter by, fly like a butterfly, flutter by, flutter by, which I have in there because theoretically I have heard the original name of butterflies was flutterbys. Mm. And for some reason they got changed to butterflies. What makes more sense to be a flutterby because that's what they do. Yeah, you're trying. You're Not all of them are yeah. yellow to be butterflies. So that's anyway, that's right. Around the corner of the house and down the driveway, she flew. In front of the garage was an old pickup truck with a camper shell. The bed of the truck under the camper smelled horrible, like trolls, but there were no trolls in sight. Fred flew over the tall fence and into the backyard. There was very little vegetation in which to hide. There was a large patio with a pit fire, oh, excuse me, a fire pit, and various chairs and tables directly behind the house. Most of the yard was graveled, and near the back fence stood a stone structure that looked like an altar. The top stone was stained with a dark substance that looked like dried blood. In the dark area behind the garage, Fred could smell the same foul odor as in the back of the truck, and she could hear the shuffling and mal wheezing. If the trolls were behind the garage, they were probably asleep since it was in the middle of the afternoon. And it goes on to explain what she sees, but one thing I do like at the, the end, it's uh, she's hiding behind the window and she is listening to the, or just outside the window and listening to the bad people in the garage talking. And the, the, one of the things she does is she snorts in disgust about some of their ideas about using magic. And she says that the idea of fairies taking a magic tour charm to a human was silly. Some humans are so ridiculous. And then one of the humans said, what was that? I heard something. One of the humans approached the window. Fred dropped down to the windowsill and fluttered away. Hugh Duffy looked out the window and around the yard. He turned back to his companion and said, it's nothing. It's just a lizard eating a bug. Well, the bug ends up being the fairy. 
I'm not going to tell you if she gets away from the <laughs> blizzard or not. To be continued. Well, oh. can you tell us if uh, what the other some of the other characters are? Well, we have actually three generations of witches in the story. The mother who makes the contract with the gnome to teach the, the daughter. The daughter who is 12 years old and gets into trouble, of course, she's 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. We have Fred the fairy. We have some trolls. We have a human next door neighbor who keeps calling my little gnome a leprechaun, even though she's not a leprechaun and she keeps telling him that. And she's a little. And um, his brother shows up that causes some of the trouble. But I won't go into the detail of the troublemaking. But it all ends up okay in the end with a few magic charms here and there. Wow. Do you have something else to read? Well, my little limerick at the back, I'll read. And if you want, I'll even read one of my poems that won the award. I so, would love that. Yeah, me too. Okay, the, in the back of the book, my, the little limerick I wrote is, the striped brown cat arrived with a rat and made himself a home, found a comfortable lap into which to take a nap, didn't care whether human or gnome. Ooh. <laughs> or typical cat. Typical cat, yes, any place comfortable. All right, and one of my poems that won an award. Now, wait a minute, which word, which, what board did it win? It won third place. But I must say, it was the only time I've ever entered any poetry in a contest. So which contest was it, I guess? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It was the El Paso Writer League award-winning entries in their con the annual contest. And they had, okay. And it was published in their book, so I'm... Not only award-winning, but I'm published. But you were published author. Oh wow! And this again it has to do with gardening because again that's my that's what latest you know. passion. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's called the growing of the vine. Watch the growing of the vine. Some slither, but many entwine. Others grasp with hairy hands, up and away from dirt and sands. Some protected by barb or thorn. Others promise new buds born. Creeper. Ivy and morning glory, each reaching for the upper story, all trying to be the best. Some wanted others pest. Little plants of planes and lines, a garden full of growing vines. And if you live in this area, you know you're constantly fighting vines, and some of them are rather dangerous. Now, you have another poem in there? I'll have to find that one. Okay. Well, I want to hear that one too. I think it's right after this other one. Let me see. Ah, there it is. The other poem is called Wren Song. Little wren, tail in the air, is songbird life really fair. Cardinals rang red and crested, though their song is short and vested. Blue jays, colored to catch the eye, call out with sharp and piercing cry. Even the plain gray mockingbird bars its song or so I heard. Poor little wren, dull brown, don't let the pretty birds get you down. Be brave, little wren, and sharpen your tone. Your song is yours and yours alone. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I really like that. I love the limerick. That's very whimsical. Thank you. Look, um, you said that you took a couple of courses in writing at Lone Star. Yes. Can you tell us? For the avid writers out there who or want to be writers out there, can you give us some tips? Well, originally, the only thing I have written has been technical. 
I did back at the turn of the century, that sounds so long ago, the turn of the century, I did write a federal grant in my, uh, when I was teaching high school and we received it for teaching ESL students. And then before that I had written labs and activities. And again, all of those are technical writing. So to get away from that and write fiction was a big switch. So it was nice when I could take these courses up here because one thing that is amazing at the Lone Star College for seniors, I think it's 50 and up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you can take um, any mm -hmm. number of courses mm -hmm. for what was the tuition one we quit? It, I think it's $25 and I correct. Yeah, $25 I, for the year for the right, and you can take and we I took crocheting classes with mm -hmm. her. And I took some writing courses, the writing teacher I had, that I had in most of the courses because I took maybe three or four of them. They're again, short term, but um, she was originally from New Mexico and thus the El Paso contest I entered because she encouraged me to enter it. And she would come to the Woodlands to stay for a few months at a time to visit her daughter. And since she was a writer and has ghost written several things and um, has entered her own contest, mm -hmm. she was well versed in how to write and, and encouraged me. And we would read the class or what we've written in class and make comments. And I thought, well, you know, I could do this. So with just a little motivation, I started writing fiction and writing poetry. And some of them said, well, you know, that's fairly good. You ought to do something with this. I said, all right. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah, you can do this. Yes, you can do that this. Is, that is, it, Terry and I, I actually met Terry. She's been teaching at Lone Star. How long, Terry? Several years now? Uh, about seven years. Seven years. She teaches the drama class. And that's, ah. where, that's where I met Terry. She's my drama teacher. So we're familiar with Lone Star and how there's so many different things, whatever your interest is, they usually yes. have some kind of a class for you. And a lot of people like you just really find a new interest in life and go on. I have the saying right now in my life, this is someday because this is someday for, for exactly. us, you know, exactly. we better get done what we want to do because. Yeah, well, one of the things my advisor at uh, University of Houston said to me is that even if you think it's garbage, write something every day. Pick a yeah. time in the afternoon or morning, whatever mm -hmm. works best mm -hmm. for you. Get away from distractions and sit down and write. And I think that was one part of the motivation was that I had to sit there and put something down and then I would change it. And sometimes when I was writing, I, my character Lily would get into a corner and I was trying to figure out how to get her out of it and I'd get away from the writing and I found out that during the night when you sort of reach that dream state where you're just sort of relaxed and you're not awake but you're not asleep and I would say oh my god that's how I could get it out mm -hmm. ideas yeah. would come to me mm -hmm. and that's when it does right before you go to when sleep, you get that relaxed state and you can <laughs> right, come right. up with things and then you have to get up to write it down and so now you're awake so <laughs> and one of the also things that helps you is when I'm outside when I'm working in my garden, I get inspired. I want, wrote one poet, poem about um, termites because as I was sitting termites. outside, <laughs> when I was sitting outside, I saw them coming out of the, the little males were coming out of the ground and flying up. Do you remember it? 
No, I, I just compared them to like the ashes from a fire oh, rising okay. into yeah. the air. Yeah. And it was talking about um, predator and prey because as they went up, a swarm of dragonflies came and started eating them. Oh my. And I thought it was so pretty and so interesting. And so I went inside and I wrote a poem about it the next day. The food chain and it's all exactly. exactly. Oh wow. And, you know, I want to go back to, to to one thing that you said is that your you felt your writing before was technical writing. And and uh, I think that's very, very helpful for somebody like me. I write every day, but most of it is unrelated. And a lot of it is informational because at the turn of that same century, you were talking about, yes. I was writing curriculum. Yes. Which we all had to do, have to do, whatever. But I was always on those committees that wrote curriculum, which is always technical. And I've, I've also written um, federal grants and um, well, through arts and culture, local grants. And so that seems to be where my mindset is. So now you've, you've kind of helped me get from there, maybe into, into something else. I, I really, I'm really glad you said that and the way you said that. Yeah, so, once you have some writing skills of any level, if you relax yourself, like I say, go out into the garden, go out and, and write and think of things that you enjoy, things that bring happiness, you might say to your heart, you can write about things. And that's what's mm -hmm. in my book, The Gardening Gnome. It's about gardening, which I love, and about herbs and herb oil treatments. And one of the things I included in my book, since I aimed it at young adults, there's nothing in there about consuming herbs except for in the kitchen. I don't suggest any medicines using herbs except ointments and salves. So I was very careful to watch my level of herbal involvement, you might say. So what would be an example of something herbal uh, preteen would, would use? Well, I had I have in the book several suggestions for keeping insects away if you're going out into the woods and there's mosquitoes. Uh, if you get scratches, because you went the young witch went through some briars and stuff and got some scratches, some little ointments that you can put on the scratches. I'm not going to give them all away there in the right. book. <laughs> and uh, all of the foods that they have have a little bit of herbal seasoning to them. So all of the herbs are safe. She mentions some of the dangerous herbs that exist just as poisonous plants when um, they go to the Wiccan's house. But they, she doesn't tell you anything about using them for anything because you don't want to use poisonous plants. Just that they're dangerous, stay away from them. Wow. Well, I think I'm going to uh, find a way to purchase or pre-purchase your book. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm intrigued. I, I have um, a couple of uh, young people in mind. I, I think I'm going to purchase them for, including myself. And um, can you give us a, a takeaway so we don't forget your book? Oh, goodness. I don't know what to do. Let's see if there's anything in here that's a good takeaway. Uh, that I don't want to put anything from the ending. Uh, let's see. Now, I will tell you about the first lesson in here where they're both learning because Lily 
didn't know how to teach. So she didn't know what she was gonna teach the child on the first lesson. So she taught her the difference between weeds and plants and sent her to into the garden to do weeding for her because she thought, well, you know, while I'm getting paid for this, I can also get a little free work out of somebody. And of course, the child does get bored with weeding after a while, which sends her off into the woods that gets her into trouble. I also have other educational things in here because at one point, as the child gets into trouble and not following the mother's instructions, I do mention a little bit about trust and how when you lose trust on, in somebody, it's a very hard to get back. Mm. So I do have a few life lessons in here. So I'm hoping everybody enjoys the book. My husband is working on a website so I can get some feedback, mm. but you know, it's with husbands, it's a round to it sort of project. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I do highly recommend in trying the book. I think people will enjoy it. And like I said, it's for the young of heart of all ages. Yeah, they will enjoy it. I can vouch for that for sure. Plus, I think you've taught us today how it's just never too late to learn something new or try something, something new. new yes. Just give it a try. You never know what's inside you. Exactly. And Dixie, thank you so much for finding Christine for us. That's uh, amazing. And I just want to go read the book. It's just awesome. She also um, crochets very well. <laughs> we're, we're a crochet group together, too. <laughs> well, we'll have to see a crocheted gnome next time. That's right. She may write about that next time. There you go. And Christine, I hope you'll find a way to come back and, and do another show with us. You're very entertaining. Thank you. And, Hopefully my second book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll give you incentive to to, to work on my second. We're expecting. Yeah, there you to go. Here's your second one. Okay. And I hope that our viewers and our listeners will find a way to get the book and find out more about these lovely gnomes. And I'm going to say goodbye. I'm Terry Woods, and today okay. I'm with Dixie Cooper, Christine and Brooks. Christine Brooks. Mm -hmm. Thank All you. right. You know, I guess I need to say that you can watch us on Woodlands Online. And you know, we have a Roku station at KBQT21. And listen to us on anywhere you can get a podcast. We're Texas Storytellers. Until next time. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.